This is the Trail Trash Podcast. What up, what up, everybody? That was a little too overzealous, I think. <laughs> May have to fade that one in. That was a little loud, I think. So, Garrett and John here tonight for another episode of Trail Trash Podcast. John, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Mm-hmm. Um, I have got a pineapple cider from Ace. Nice. I almost grabbed pineapple. Almost. I grabbed watermelon happy dad which is a hard seltzer Mm. so um i learned about these guys from our good friends who are not our good friends because they have no idea who we are uh the pivot (laughs) podcast which is ryan clark and freddie taylor and uh channing crowder um their podcast i've kind of been listening to them a lot lately they've got some some fun interviews um but their their big thing with happy dad is it's like white claw but better so um no skinny cans because guys hate skinny cans i don't don't disagree there um less carbonation which i don't hate more flavor and electrolytes Ooh, i've heard um white claw described as the lacrosse of the seltzer world i could see that you know i could see that um yeah so the other day i went and picked up a variety pack of these guys and like well you know what what's the worst that can happen is i don't like it and my wife does and she drinks them sure here i am i like these things so i went and bought a variety pack they've got um in the variety pack lemon lime watermelon um wild cherry and pineapple so, which are pretty good. Now, they've also got some really cool flavors. They've got grape, which is done in conjunction with Death Row Records. So, shout out Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and uh, Fruit Punch and some other fun flavors. So, um, not a sponsor at all. Don't even know who we are. But go check out Happy Dad. If, if, if White Claws and, yeah, White Claws and Bitch Beer. Let's go. Yeah, if White Claws and Bitch Beer are your thing, check out Happy Dad. <laughs> All right, but enough about what we're drinking, what's in the cups. So uh, tonight we're going to talk about race fees and how some people can justify paying $11,000 for a four-day race that only covers 120 miles. <laughs> for those who don't know what we're talking about, there is a race in the Scottish Highlands that covers 120 miles over the course of four days. Um that costs $11,000. And there's just no way that, <laughs> that I could justify paying that. Let alone if I looked at my wife and said, hey, we're going to Scotland. I'm going to run a race. By the way, the race itself costs more than our whole trip. Um, I just, it, it, she would check me into an asylum. Like, I think. <laughs> It's like to that price, I better get the actual prop sword from a Highlander, the movie. Right? I mean, but there can be only one, so... The only one. I don't know who's going to be. Does the winner get it? Is there a winner in this race? 
clear winner. I don't know. It like, sounds is it like a stage race? Wins. Right. Like, it's, it's very much one of those, like, cool, everyone finishes, so everyone gets the Highlander sword. Not <laughs> there can be only one. Um, but it's, I, I don't, without doing a ton of research into it, I don't know if it's a stage race that everyone just runs or if it's a stage race and the whoever does it the fastest over those four days wins, or, or is it very it's, much it's, one of those? It's, um, it's described on the website as a multi-day ultra, so I assume it's like a like a stage race. Right, but so, or their race results on the website. And, and is there a winner every year, or... Is it much like that twenty nine zero two or two nine oh two? However, they say it that Everest challenge um, that Jesse Itzler puts on. It's very much a community thing, um, which I love. It's one of the things that we all love about the ultra scene is how it is just a big giant community. Um, but I don't think there's winners in that. I, I don't know if there is or isn't. I've never done one. You want to talk about expensive races? That's an expensive event as well i say event because i don't know as though it is a race or not um i do think that is more of a internal mental challenge than i'm faster than you kind of thing um absolutely and so for those who don't know the 29029 um i from my understanding they're kind of limited in where they are because they're at ski resorts that are out of season which I think is cool. I'm assuming the ski resort gets some sort of cut for that. Um, I mean, they'd almost have to. Um, but so you hike, walk, run, scoot, crawl, whatever you do to get up to the top, and then you ride the ski lift down. Well, you ride it down? Yeah, so you don't walk down. So it's literally uphill the whole time. And then it's you kind of silly that you wouldn't like uh, go back downhill under your own power. Yeah, yeah. So in in, but it's kind of like this eleven thousand dollar race. You do it at your own pace. I don't know if there are cutoffs. I don't know if there are you know. But there's, I almost said yurts. I don't think they're yurts. I think you sleep in. It's described as a individual luxury pod accommodation. The thing that ki that kills me with this particular race event, because I, I still don't know if, it, if I would even consider it a race or not. Man, you get, does everybody get their own personal chef? So a few of the amenities <clears throat> described on the waste race website, uh, in addition to the accommodations, are hot showers, freshly ground coffee all day, all nutrition prepared by Michelin chef uh, for duration of event, um, safety runners and route support, medical support, live GPS, safety tracking, Wi-Fi access, electrical device charging access, end of race of awards and after dinner speaker, after race daily physio and massage therapy, access to the Royal Lounge, whatever that is, um, a daily butler service and after race sauna and foot spa, event photography and documentary, uh, luxury transport transfers to and from the airport throughout the event and logistics. Meanwhile, you got Candace Burt running a 50K every day for going on. But actually, by the time this comes out, she will have done her 200, her 200 consecutive 50K. Yeah, is, that, is that where she declared her stopping point? I haven't been following along. 
recently. Uh, that was her goal. And today she was on 197. Okay. And she's doing that on her own. Where's her Michelin chef? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just have a hard time with it. And and I get it. If they're trying to appeal to a certain person and trying to I can't I, I I can't even play devil's advocate. And I'm normally pretty good at playing devil's advocate, but I'm having a hard time with this one. Because $11,000 for that, I just, I don't even know who you're appealing to for this. Because you're not trying to, like, you're getting away from what I would consider the purity of the sport, which is go out and run, you versus you, for however long or however far you can. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like part of the appeal of like, you know, trail and ultra running is just uh, getting you out there into uncomfortable situations where you're, you know, just dirty and everything else out there. And um, just because, you know, those types of experiences are um, lacking more so in today's society. We're soft. You can say it. Society as a whole is soft. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say it. But then you come in and so you run your 50k for the day and you get a physio and you get a massage. I'm like that that defeats the, the entire purpose. Into a uh, a jar of gray poupon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any gray poupon? <laughs> man, I I don't know. There's no way. Would I love to go to Scotland? Absolutely. Do I think it'd be great to run some there? Sure, 100%. I'm not gonna pay eleven thousand dollars to do it. <laughs> that that only includes your travel from to and from the airport, not including your airplane tickets to get there. Yeah. Right, and you're not you're not gonna go to Scotland from the states. You're not gonna go to Scotland for four days just to turn around and come home. So you're gonna do other things there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> so I just. At the end of the day, you're getting close to half of the average American salary, I would assume, on your trip. <laughs> yeah. No. For a race. Included with all your other stuff. I don't want to make it sound like the average American salary is $22,000 because that would be wrong. So, um, so, So let's segue into this. What is the most you've ever paid for a race? <laughs> Oh, are you talking about just like race fees alone or all the other costs involved? Race fees. So we yeah, we will we will keep it for this part, I guess. We'll keep it on just your race fees. Because once you add in travel and you add in all your personal nutrition and you add in all the things that go along with just the race itself, not even including training. Yeah, it can add up quick. Yeah. And so what's the most expensive race you've ever run? And how much was it? Um, I would... Mine is probably, actually, I know it, is Black Canyon, the 100K. And it's gotten more expensive every year because I've been tempted to sign up again. Um, that was, and, and I... That was not my first ultra, but I call it my first ultra. I don't know why. I just, but my first ultra was Bell Ringer here in town. I just, I used it as a long training run 
because it's a December race and Black Canyon is a February race. So I didn't actually like truly really try to race it. I just wanted to run a really long time. And so I was like, okay, cool. That's what, so my first ultra was actually the bell ringer 50 K. I used it though in, as a tune up run for what I consider my first ultra to be black Canyon hundred K. Um, and it was three ninety five or so when I paid for it. I think it was four fifty some odd this year. Which is more than most of your hundreds. I know it's more I know it's more than any hundred I've run. The two I've run. But so mine would be in 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 I'm not I guess I should preface this whole conversation by saying we we understand what goes into race fees. We're not dogging race fees themselves. We understand that there is a lot that goes into it when you factor in land permits and and the time that goes into planning and getting a race run and all the nutrition that goes into aid stations and all the dietary things that you like. I I, I fully understand that. Mm-hmm. The only race entry fee I'm dogging in in this case is eleven thousand dollars because that's just fucking absurd. <laughs> yeah, that seems kind of <laughs> kind of silly. Even if I could afford that, I'd have a hard time like justifying that. Yeah. Um, be interested and find out a little bit more if that's like you know like a for-profit type um venture right. or, yeah, right. you know, and, and who's my michelin chef like uh the trails where they're running but. yeah if, if my michelin chef is gordon ramsay cool that may be a different thing but i don't i don't think he's he's doing that yeah I'm just looking at like my history here on ultra sign up. I think my most expensive race, just purely in terms of entry fee, is like the Yeti, which you know I have coming up this fall. Um, what was that again this year? Yeah, yeah. So the entry fee itself was three seventy five. Uh, I'm showing that there's like a twenty four ish dollar fee. So uh, when I registered, so I mean that's close to four hundred bucks right there. Yeah, that's not cheap. <laughs> no, no, that's. Well, in states this year was over five hundred, I think. Um, or flirting with it. Yeah, like uh, just a quick, you know, half-assed internet search says it's four ten for states plus whatever online fees you incur along with that. Yeah, so probably your your twenty five dollar or so fee. So you're at four fifty. We'll round up and say four. Oh, um. Yeah, I mean, so for anyone who's new to ultra running and you're thinking, cool, I want to run 100, uh, they're expensive. Like, <laughs> Well, that being said, like you can find one on a much more budget-friendly, right. you can find much more budget-friendly options, right? Yes, and, um, I, and, and especially when you get to these Western states, Leadville, or any race that has an association with Western states or UTMB, uh, i.e., a qualifier, those are almost inherently going to be a more expensive race than, mm-hmm. say, your local mom and pops 100 miler that's on a 20 mile loop course. That's yeah, yeah, second. especially when you find like races that are more logistically challenging. Like, if there's one with like, you know, a 48 hour cutoff, obviously, you know, that's a lot of. That's a lot over a much longer time period than someone with like a 30 hour cutoff where you have to have like, right. you know, um, 
I know who like uh, medical crews and stuff like that you have to pay and again you know permits for you know that duration of time as well sure sure and that and that is a lot of food i mean yeah, a lot of food as well yeah. food as opposed to a day and a half worth of food it's a lot of food <laughs> yeah and 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 all the ultras i've done have done a very good job of being open to multiple dietary styles and so i commend all of them for that because it's not just hey we're going with this because it's the cheapest and if you're a fat adapted athlete sorry we don't have bacon so yeah i don't know how you know race directors keep up with all like you know the dietary type of like restrictions and stuff that would be oh man i would have so much trouble trying to keep track of all that right and 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 so let's 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 play that out a little bit if you're an rd what dietary restrictions or would you i would probably go with I, you'd have to have a lot of bacon because it tends to work well whether someone's fat adapted or just a regular standard diet um i would probably yeah, appeal <laughs> yeah so i would i would appeal to those guys and vegetarians because i just feel like vegan is is pretty slim as far as now i know scott jurek is a vegan and arguably one of the most if not the most popular ultra runner ever him and dean Carnazes, i think you could make the, the argument that those are the two most popular ones um but i feel like if you're a vegan you're used to, and i'm not vegan and so i i apologize in advance if this is ignorant of me but i feel like you're used to taking your own nutrition to these races just because it's probably been one of those things that you may have come across before where hey there's not a lot of vegan options out there i just need to take my own stuff um yeah i would probably go with your standard american because standard american diet and vegetarian would probably be the what I would do if I was an RD. Um, what about like gluten free or anything like that? Maybe that's tough. That's, so it I sounds just, like here. Um, if anyone's like you know running the Yeti this year, where Garrett will be crewing, uh, grilling off of his Blackstone, um, <laughs> don't, <Garrett>. stop, <laughs> don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop at the. Uh, don't uh, stop at our car. Yeah, no. If uh, you have any dietary restrictions, because he's just going full on cooking with butter and probably lard. I don't know. I mean, whatever you guys want me, whatever you guys want me to make. If we need bacon and cheese quesadillas, it won't be down some bacon. <laughs> so, if Jason wants, what was the sandwich that notoriously was not the best? Some things know. happened with a certain sandwich that we didn't want Jason to know about. <laughs> I remember someone dropping some like butter on the ground and like you know rubbing it all over his sandwich or something like that. <laughs> so if you want some, some, some paninis or something, yeah, we'll figure it out. So I'm not a Michelin chef, and you're not getting that standard. Dude, Ooh, I don't man. even know what that means. You say Michelin chef, and I'm just thinking about like the Michelin tire man standing at like a grill. <laughs> yeah, so Michelin chef is is cream of the crop. Right. Okay. So if you get a Michelin star at your restaurant, you are a big, big deal. Okay. So, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a foodie over here. 
Yeah, if you yeah, give, if me, you, give me give me a bag of Taco Bell and I'll be fine. <laughs> the TB12 special. Oh. TB12 baby, 12 tacos. Yeah, TB12 as in Taco Bell 12, not Tom Brady 12. Taco Brady. Yeah. Although John does love some Tom Brady. Uh, no. <laughs> very, very sarcastic when I say that. That he does not. No. Um but yeah, so so I guess let's let's flip it a little bit and say, is there ever a fee that is too expensive? Like if you're like, say you're looking at these two races, same date, same distance, same everything. Option A is two hundred fifty bucks. Option B is five hundred bucks. But you really want to run option B because you've never run there before. Is there is there a bar that you're just like no nah, I, I I can't even justify paying that? Hmm. I think I'd be really dependent on you know a few factors there. Obviously, you can't afford it. One first and foremost, you know, um, right. if I can pay the entry fee, and then along with like any like travel or other type of uh, um, expenses I might have along the way. Um, but beyond that, I think it would be like a question of you know is this somewhere i really want to run or is this a race i really want to run mm-hmm. so would you ever get priced out of states get priced out of what out of running western states because like, that's all everyone's i think it'd be pretty ignorant states, no one, like if you're if you're running hundreds and you're trying to find qualify like th- that is one of the parameters i use for for when I'm trying to find a race, is this a state's qualifier? Because if yeah. if I do look for state's qualifiers that are within a set distance from my house, yes, we all want to run states. I'd be lying if if I think most ultra runners that run hundreds who have not run states would be lying if they said they did not want to run states. But would you ever be priced out of it if if states all of a sudden goes up to 750 bucks? I'm not running it. Don't care. Yeah, again, that'd really depend on if I could afford it at the time or not. Like, I mean, most Western states is a little bit different just because it's, you know, Western states and it's kind of like the pinnacle of our sport. And I think a lot of people have it like on their bucket list. Um, I mean, 750 bucks, though, for a race is hard to justify. Right, right. So I would set the bar, me personally, I'd probably set the bar at 500. If a race is over 500, yeah, especially for like, you know, living on like the East Coast because we're going to have to buy like, you know, a plane ticket for us and maybe like some crew to get out there and then pay for lodgings on top of it. So that's sure. definitely not going to be cheap. Yeah. I mean, that was that was me for Black Canyon for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you got Uber fees because and that's one thing that, that I think most people know they're probably going to have to do, but don't always like, oh, shoot, I forgot I got to have an Uber fee. Um, it was a $50 Uber ride from where I stayed the first night I flew into Phoenix to the Airbnb that I, and thankfully I, I, we don't communicate anymore. I mean, yeah, but so I managed to link up with a group of one, two, three, four, I think there were eight of us in this house. And so the Airbnb for the race was actually pretty cheap because we just split it eight ways. Um, yeah. 
So that actually brings up a good point. It's like, all right, so if I have like a lot of money devoted to an entry fee, where can I save some like cost on like, as far as like other like expenses as far as the race? And that'd be one of them. Like if you're one of those people who's like comfortable just like sleeping somewhere for a night, I mean, that'd be a great way to, you know, get on like a, like a Facebook page for the race or something and asking if anyone has like a couch to sleep on. Right, right. Because and let's be honest, you're not sleeping that great the night before anyway. Yeah, or if you're yeah. like, or if you're into camping, just be like, hey, anyone got like, you know, a yard I can like sleep in for like a right. night or two. Yeah. Um, but so Black Canaan is like 45 minutes away from Phoenix. So I, I walked. <laughs> this is probably this is one of those things that we should probably uh, put under the things not to do before a race. Um, I walked a shit done around Phoenix. Because Phoenix has public transit, but the public transit pretty much just runs, from my experience anyway, it, it pretty much is just one route. Um, so I bought public transit, a three-day pass for that, um, walked to the northernmost point, and then, or not walked, rode to the northernmost point, and then walked to where I felt Ubers would be cheaper. Um so the day before 100K, I walked 25,000 steps. <laughs> Probably not the smartest thing <laughs> that I have ever done. And definitely something that I would not recommend that anybody do <laughs> is, is walk a ton. Hey, we'll just call it shakeout miles. There you go. I mean, <laughs> yeah. At the same time, it's like one of those things. It's like, well, don't know when I'll be in this area again. I want to make the most of it. So, right. Yeah. So it was, um, did you ever see that movie, Noel, the Disney Plus movie with Anna Kendrick? I don't think so. Okay. Well, so they go to Phoenix in this movie, and there's an outdoor shopping center that they reference. It's like, hey, I was out that outdoor. And if you, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those cool things like, hey, wow, someone mentioned something that I've been. It's stupid, but whatever. Um, but yeah, you know. It, but so the Uber fee was like a $50 Uber ride. Um, thankfully, on the way back, someone rented a car. And so I just, you know, threw him a couple bucks for gas for the rental um, for the ride back to the airport after the race. Um but yeah, so it was two Airbnb fees, an Uber fee, a public transit fee, food for when we were there. I mean, it was it was every bit of a thousand bucks all in. Not to, it, it, I mean, once you factor in the race fee, airlines, all those other things. Now I did sleep in a shipping container. That was kind of cool. Um, speaking of most, places, most yeah, people who do that do it do so under very different circumstances. It was an Airbnb, and it's still an Airbnb. I ever thought, you know what? If I ever go back to Phoenix, if I ever go run this race, I'd stay there again. Because the guy's not too far from the airport. Um, and he has a house that he rents out. It's it's very much almost like a hostel. Because you can rent one room of the three rooms in the house, uh, plus the shipping container that he has turned. The only thing that the shipping container didn't have was a bathroom. He had wired electricity. There was TV. There was an air conditioning unit. Um, there was a kitchenette. Um, the only thing he had to go to the to the house for was to use the bathroom. 
and I was perfect. It was one night. It's like, you know what? It's one night. It's relatively cheap as far as Airbnb places to go. And I've never, sh- and I've never slept in a shipping container before and never slept in one since. Um, it, but it was cool. I mean, speaking of things that, yeah, I'm never going to do this. Don't know when I'm going to do this again. Chalk it up as an experience. So um, I didn't hate it. It was kind of creepy. But... <laughs> Didn't know if I was going to end up on a boat to Shanghai, but <laughs> I know. I mean, you say creepy, but I don't think you've uh, you've had, you've yet to sleep in any of the houses that Jason selects for when we go run Yeti races in uh, rural rural uh, southwestern Virginia. <laughs> he been some... seems to have a knack for picking great places to stay. <laughs> Yeah, like I slept in the basement of one of those houses, and it probably deserved to be like in like a Saw movie or something. <laughs> Man, was that the Annabelle house? It was. <laughs> okay. All right, let's just combine two horror movies there. I don't even know if you can consider a Saw a horror movie as just straight gore. Um, yeah, because I mean, they're really not that scary. I will say, like, the first one was actually excellent in terms of like plot and like you know suspense. Actually, had like sure. some substance to it before it just the uh, franchise just became an absolute just like gore fest. Well, and and, and you got to remember when the Saw movies came out, that's kind of what people wanted was just give me the goriest film. That was the gross comedy era, the the gore horror era, like all of that was like society got kind of dark. Was like let's just see how nasty we can get. No. Um, I digress. <laughs> Anyways, to steer back on topic too, though, I uh, <laughs> uh, just talk a little bit more about, like, you know, you know, the race view thing. So ultimately, like, you know, you don't have to have a race to, you don't have to race. Um, you know, if you wanted to run like a hundred miles, you could set up like a DIY, like adventure run type thing, and not pay any race fees at all. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. Cool too. <laughs> yeah, there's um, actually. So I kind of thought about it because there was a, a, a brief second earlier this week when my wife and I, she's like, Hey, you know, I want to do this, this, and this, this year. And I'm looking at the things she wants to do versus the races that I wanted to run. And it was one of those great, you want to do this. And you're saying it's an early birthday. I like, so I will put my race. I'll find another race at the time. And I still don't necessarily like they are officially on the calendar. I just haven't paid my fees. We've got another vacation coming up. I'll just pay all the fees after that. So, um, but I, I, I'm not monetarily committed to any races. So it was very easy for me to be like, okay, cool. You want to do that? Like, it's 100% fine. Like, like that's, we'll go do that because I, but it was the same weekend as the Blue Heron 100. Um, relatively affordable race. But so the, it, all that to say, there was one point for a brief second, I was like, you know what? I really want to, I want to run a hundred miles this year, but it doesn't look as though I may have the race to do that just based on time off that I have left um, and race availability versus other commitments. Right. So there's a, um, there's a park here in spring Hill uh, right off Kedron road. Um, and it's a paved loop. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just call local law enforcement and say, hey, by the way, this day, I know the park closes at dark. 
but I'm still going to be there. Like, is that okay with you guys? Kind of thing. Um, play a little RD for myself. The only thing about that would be it's, it's not a full mile. Like it's 0.95 of a mile. And so, like, <laughs> and so it would really suck. Cause you're sitting there trying to sit there. Okay. Well, that's only a hundred loops. No, it's really like 112 or something like that, which is really annoying. That's um, interesting too, because like on every loop, like your mile marker is just going to move like 0. 0.05 a little bit farther down the, yep. down the loop. <laughs> yep. So I did. So actually, the shoes I'm wearing right now, I broke them in on that track. So I'm rocking the Clifton Sevens today, just because they were just I had a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to wear nice shoes for, I guess. So I just threw on the old Cliftons. Um, broke these guys in on a 15 mile run and you end up like two, like a third of the way away from it. It's just, yeah, it's annoying. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you could just go run a hundred miles. You don't have yeah, to like, you know, some, uh, adventure runs are pretty rewarding too. Like, you know, again, it doesn't have, you don't have to like race. Um, I feel yeah. like we saw a lot of stuff like that, like, you know, in 2020 when everything shut down, like people just, going around 100 miles like you know on their just like neighborhood loop or that was pretty cool backyard, yeah. yeah or like you know just like through whatever town they lived in and well you had all those people like run a marathon in their living room <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one might be a little bit tiny for me but i mean hey you know someone did it that's cool more power to them right i'm sitting there thinking you would be turning the same direction more than a nascar driver does like that's got to th- like at what point do you stop and reverse just to even out your hips a little bit like just- <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't um but so when covid happened and everything shut down that was one of the cool things that that i didn't i did like to see is who got cre- who got the most creative with yeah. what society allowed them to do because I mean, everything shut down, even parks shut down. Because when it first happened, like, it was very much like, we don't know anything about this, so you can't go outside at all. Um, and then, you know, you get to the, you go to the grocery store, and it's one person allowed per car or, like, per family or whatever. Um, yeah, so it got really interesting to see. Um, but so Dark Sky 50 pretty much shut down. That Like, that was a May race. So was it end of February, early March when, when the state shut down and when all this happened, um, they came out and said, you know what, we got to cancel the race, but we're still going to go out and market for you if you want to go run it. Um, so yeah, so you don't have to race. Just go find a loop, a 5K loop, a 10-mile loop. Or shoot, even like um, here, I have a, I have a route that I've like, um, that I've created, like, you know, like on Strava and stuff that I haven't done it yet, but I'd really like to. It's just like a 50K route where I go from like the county line to the north and then along a highway to like the county line to the south of me. And I mean, you can do something like that, you know, take a couple bucks with you, stop at a gas station or a Taco Bell if you need some like food or nutrition. Right. It's kind of, yeah. I did see something fun that I, that I thought, you know what? I think I could do that. And it's funny how all these things happen. Like, I think I could do that. It's only 50. It's really not that. (laughs) But so what it was, was this guy was like, he said, collectively, I'm going to do 50 of these. 
and it was a combination of a total of 50. So it wasn't 50 of each. Um, donuts, beers, and miles. And so he ran a 10K, so he ran six miles, and then had a donut. So he was then at that point up to seven, ran another six miles, and met his girlfriend for some, for, he had like three donuts there. So at that point, he's up to like 16 total. Um, long story short, he gets to number 49 and he's like, I cannot." he had run, I think like 35 miles at this point and the rest was all donuts. So he had 12 donuts, um, not 12 donuts. That, that would be, uh, 14 donuts, 35 miles. And so he had, he's like, I don't want another donut. I never want a donut ever again. I'm, I can't run another mile. Uh, so I'm just going to go and meet my buddy at the bar and have a beer. And that was number 50. So, um, I mean, you could even get interesting that way. You know, I know that, um, is it Jason Lloyd, uh, has done a donut marathon where he connected a bunch of donut shops along a marathon route. So, um, yeah, get creative. You don't have to necessarily run a hundred miles for a race, I guess. Um, especially if you're trying to, to, to cut budgets. So, and I get it. I get it. Times are inflation. Hey, I will say, I'm glad that it cost that a dozen eggs is back below $2. Like, I, like <laughs> that, that makes me somewhat happy that now that they're not $3 and 50 cents for, you know, a dozen, not even farm, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Grass free range. They've got, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, but you don't have that because you just go pick eggs out of your backyard, right? Yeah, I got more than I know what to do with. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you have ducks too, right? Or Yeah, we currently uh, have uh, 10 ducks and four or three hens. I actually woke up this morning and had to chase a fox out of the backyard. Oh, nice. Fox in the hen house. There you go. Wasn't in the hen house yet, luckily. No, there were no casualties, so that was nice. That's what that big dog's for. Exactly. I was, I was just let her loose, and you know, she just started barking, and there you go, chased him right out of there. There you go. I bet that was a sight. Who got there first, the little dog or the big dog? Uh, by the time we got out the door, that fox was gone. I heard him, <laughs> heard him, heard him coming. She's a big girl, so you can hear her coming. Well, yeah, that's. Um, so before we get into hot takes, any other closing remarks on, on race fees? And, and, and one thing I, that we didn't talk about, we talked about pre-recording was your 200 milers, which are according to Candace Burt, 200 miles are the new 100 mile. And I get that to a certain extent. I understand what she's saying. The, the number of people who have run hundred miles is getting more and more common, especially as ultras grow in popularity. Um, it doesn't make it any easier, though. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Like, 100 miles is is still... It's, it's still really hard. <laughs> yes. I mean, just because it's 100 miles, and as Carl Meltzer would say, 100 miles is not that far. <laughs> never said it was right. easy. <laughs> yes. We never said it wouldn't hurt. But the number of people who have run 200s is is still pretty few and far between if you were to go to to your workplace tomorrow and say hey 
who here's running ultra, you're probably going to get a couple people to raise their hands. Hey, who here's run 200 miles? Probably no one is going to raise your hands at your standard workplace. Um, but her races are $2,000 just to get in. Yeah. But, like I remember posting like, you know, about like her, just her porta potty fee one time and it was just astronomical. Um, but you figure like that thing lasts like what, like six or seven days. I think one of them is like an eight day cutoff. Like, so I will say if you are able to do a 50 K a day, a 200 mile, you can actually sleep seven hours a day. You're still going to hurt. Like it's still going to suck, but you don't, unless you're fighting cutoffs at the end of day three or whatever, and you're in, slightly above average runner you can do it and still sleep six seven hours a night um i don't know yeah, I mean, it's a long way but i still feel like it's like approachable if you plan it correctly yes it's like a hundred miler like you're going about there a long a lot longer than a hundred miler but it's still it's still doable right right and so i think one of the things about her races is her cutoffs are relatively generous so um when you compare that to like a big's backyard where you're running 200 miles. In- well, the thing about the backyard is you don't know when it's going to end. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But it, well, I guess all that to say, you can't sleep at that. Like you could. You, you can. At a 200. You have to, but it's, right. it's not like, in like, you know, an hours at a time. It's more like. Yeah, you're not going to get six hours of sleep. It's six minutes. or however long you allow yourself um between when you get back to camp and before the next bell goes off so um yeah i mean i and again i'm not dogging race fees i'm not dogging rds we understand 100 everything that goes into it and we could not do what we enjoy doing without you guys because i would not know the first thing about trying to get a permit yeah, as long as I get something out of it, like I just, you know, I, I still wouldn't want to pay like three or four hundred dollars for like a race and then just go there and be like on, I don't know, like a one mile loop for like a hundred loops and get like a t-shirt that doesn't fit well and that's it, you know what I mean? Right, a standard Gildan unisex shirt that is always too big or always too small, you know, it's just, yeah. If I... It, if I go to a race and I finish and I don't get a buckle, I'm slightly irritated. <laughs> I, just, I have so many medals. I don't have a lot of buckles. So I guess I just, I don't know. That's a whole other debate. We'll save that for another, another episode. <laughs> at, at what point in terms of mileage, you're like, Hey, you know what? This is this far. This deserves a buckle. No, that's a whole other debate. That may be, a good other future episode. I don't know. So, um, almost a hot take. Speaking <laughs> of hot takes, what is your hot take this week? Because I know we didn't do one last week. I apologize for the people who love that segment. Um, but yeah, really, I, I mean, I've got one that I can come up with on the fly. But I'm sure you're steaming on one. I don't know. I feel like I had one about Taco Bell, but I can't remember. Oh, mine is kind of about TV as well. Oh, how about that? But not Taco Bell. 
<laughs> Which TB you go are you uh stewing on over there? Tom flipping Brady. I'm just gonna say it. If I had known, I think any NFL executive had known what he was gonna turn into and be arguably the Michael Jordan of NFL. He would not have gone in the seventh round or whatever. He was a seventh rounder, right? Sixth round. Okay. I, I am going to say on record as a Packers fan who has only had two starting QBs pretty much in my entire life. <laughs> from Brett Favre to Aaron and, and not just starting quarterbacks, right? These are like all pro. All of famous quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady's magnificent. And I don't think, and, it, and I used to be in the scheme, like on the side that said, oh, it's because of Bill Belichick and the scheming that he does. He doesn't really throw the ball that far. It's a lot of dump routes. It's a lot of screens. It's it's really not. But then he went to Tampa Bay and, and won another one. So you can't really say that anymore. Um, you could argue that it was the defense that won it for him. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. But he still, like, I, I think when he went to Tampa and won another one, that to me cemented his legacy as it's not me plus Bill. Like, I did this. So I think that's what separates him from Joe Montana. Yeah. Like that's the greatest football player of all time, or the greatest. I can't say football. I will say I, 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 with ninety-eight percent confidence, will say greatest quarterback so far. But not greatest football player of all time. Oh God, no! God, no! I can't say that at all. Well, well, who do you have? Well, who do you have ahead of him then? Because Bo knows, and Bo Bo will, and Bo will come find me. So, so you think Bo Jackson was the greatest football player of all time? I think Bo Jackson could. Uh, yes, I. There I is mean, maybe, nothing maybe that on a talent level, but his career was so short that I don't know that you could really like. Right. Argue that. And the only other person that I think, in in the way I look at it, is every time Bo touched the ball, you didn't know. Like you watched. It's like, what is he about to do with this? Same way with Michael well, Jordan. Well, same well, way, same thing. Well, what with about Stephen. what about like Jerry Rice? What about Lawrence Taylor? What about uh, Jim Brown? The the only other person that I put in the Bo category, two people, along with Bo Jackson, and I think it's just because of the sheer number of touches that a running back gets. Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. Because Barry Sanders would go in, like run right into the line of scrimmage. You're like, oh, I haven't seen him in three seconds. He must be down. And then he's bouncing out of the scrum and he's taken off down the, down the sideline for a touchdown. He's like, how did this happen? So whether or not, okay, I guess I should preface, I guess you should re- rephrase it to maybe not the greatest of all time, but the most entertaining in terms of how the hell did he do that? 
because like like I said, like he would just run into the line of scrimmage. You can't find him, and then he bounces out and he takes off and it's a touchdown. Him, Bo Jackson would move the line of scrimmage. Um, Bo Jackson was just <laughs> a, a very rare athletic talent, and there's actually a really good book on him called uh, I think it's called something like Bo Jackson the Last Folk Hero. I mean, he's Paul Bunyan esque. No, oh, oh yeah, for sure. Well, and, um, and, and he wasn't just a great NFL player. The dude could smash a baseball. Dude, the guy could like smash a baseball <laughs> bat over his head. No. Um, so, so, so circling back to Brady, let me ask you this: how many how many titles does Tom Brady have? Was it six? Six. Okay. Is it six? How many mustard belts does Joey Chestnut have? <laughs> he's wait, he's at 13 how 14? many mustard belts does joey chestnut have is yes, it 13 15, 15. that is over twice as many rings as brady has but that's gross <laughs> like <laughs> i just you're you're swallowing hot dogs and soggy buns man like and i and i just don't want to do the practice required to get a mustard belt like that's just I, I, like I can't watch the Nathan's hot dog thing. It just grosses me out. It's impressive to be able to eat forty five se- forty five hot dogs in how what is it five minutes? I don't even know how long the hot dog eating competition is. It's it, it's ten minutes now. That's so many hot dogs. Like, <laughs> what is the record now? Because he he used to hold it, and I don't think he holds it anymore. No, he still holds it. Does he? He just had. Does he still compete? Because there was a time when he wasn't. Either he wasn't competing, so, or he was so, losing to that other guy. He he had like one like uh, like one year where he got beaten on his strength, uh, on, on, where he got beaten on his like uh, streak. Um, mm-hmm. But currently, his world record that he holds is seventy five hot dog. Or let me make sure this is right. 76 hot dogs with buns. See, and that's the thing. It's not just hot dogs. It is with buns. Are they plain hot dogs? They're Nathan's famous hot dogs, dude. Do you even follow right, the of competitive eating? No, I don't. The last competitive <laughs> eating I saw was Beer Fest, which is a great movie. <laughs> but so they're just plain hot dogs, right? There's no mustard, ketchup, relish. I mean, there probably could be if you wanted. Ketchup doesn't go on hot dogs. Ask anyone from Chicago. Ketchup does not go on hot dogs. No, Honestly, I don't really care for hot dogs. I, I got to be in the mood for hot dogs. Most of the time, I'm not eating hot dogs. But pickles, or not pickles, relish, onions, sweet relish. You give me a Chicago dog, and I will throw it down. Portillo's, hands down, best hot dog I've ever had. Um, But there's no ketchup on them. So you're saying Joey, <laughs> Mr. Chestnut, is leagues ahead of Mr. Brady. I feel like he deserves to be in the conversation. But <laughs> conversation of what? Greatest greatest athlete? Greatest could be, could competitor? Be. Maybe. Because... <laughs> I feel like where this conversation is heading is the Michael Jordan meme where he's looking at a la- at an iPad and, said, and I took that personally. Um, so like, <laughs> well, 
Well, which is more impressive, like seven Super Bowl rings or, you know, 15 mustard belts? <laughs> right. Back to that thing about me playing devil's advocate here. There are I so mean, many he, things. He won, he won 15 in a 16-year period. Brady's NFL career lasted from, what, the year 2000 through 20. Uh, I guess 2022 was the last season. So that's 23 seasons. And he won seven rings in that period. Right. I mean, 15. I mean, if you won 15 titles in a 16 year period, what other sport, like in any other sport, like you would be like, you know, the greatest of all time. Hey, Jordan never lost in the finals. He's 6 0 in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't go every year. Yeah, meanwhile, Tom Brady has two losses to Eli Manning and Nick Foles. The great Eli Manning. <laughs> Still one of the most miraculous catches I have ever seen in my life. You talk about the David Tyree helmet catch? The helmet catch. The fun fact, that was his last catch in the NFL. I mean, you can't top it. You might as well retire on that one. <laughs> like, why not? Um, And, and so I say... First quarterback so far because Patrick Mahomes is still young, and that dude does does some crazy stuff. So I think that athletically, Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback. But my hot take is that he's the greatest quarterback to date. To date. No disrespect to Joe Montana. What about? (laughs) 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 What what about, what about Otto Graham? Are you familiar with him? Uh, No. He played for the Cleveland Browns in the 1950s. So the last time the Browns were good. He won seven championships in ten seasons for the Cleveland right, Browns. But, but that was that was pre AFL NFL merger. Yeah, right. That's like yeah. me being a Packers fan and saying we have more championships than any other franchise because they do. If you include all those, there are like thirteen championships. Because if he was in the American Football League instead of the National Football League, so AFL versus NFL. The level of competition. I mean, that's like saying, oh, man, the CFL quarterback is the greatest ever because it's a CFL. Like, <laughs> nothing against the CFL, but the level of competition there is drastically different. I don't know, man. I think, man, what a time to play football. You know, you could just, like, clothesline guys and just, like, assault them on the field. and With The leather helmet. <laughs> that was fine. Right? All right, what's your hot take? I don't know. Otto Graham is the greatest quarterback to play the game. <laughs> no, no I, I would not argue that. But, um, I mean, he's definitely up there. I'd say top five of all time for sure. That was also a different time. Like, you didn't throw the ball much. You handed it off. I mean... Well, I mean, you say that. But um, 
to take an example from your Packers days, what are you, are you familiar with Don Hudson? Yeah. So how many how many years did he lead the NFL in um, uh, uh, receiving yards? Oh, not many. Not many. Well, no, because it, it, I mean, seven hundred fifty yards receiving is going to get you the title. <laughs> he did it seven times. Okay, but who else has come close to that? Oh gosh, Jerry Rice probably would be the first person to <laughs> my mind. No, not even Jerry Rice has done that. I don't think not that many times. But that's just the first person that like Jerry Rice would be the first one because he's the greatest wide receiver of all time. No, um, who else would would jump? Would jump out in terms of the? And I'm not an NFL aficionado. But what's funny is that Don Hudson, <clears throat> so he led the league in scoring five times. The only player yards. Oh, well, he's led the league in scoring five times five, on top of. As as a receiver in mm-hmm. the 19, what, 40s? Yeah, mm-hmm. 1940s. Um, you know, the only two other people to do that are kickers in the modern day NFL. Shout out Adam Vinatieri and Sebastian Janikowski. No, this is actually. No, it's probably it's probably Gostkowski. It is Gostkowski. And if Vinatieri is not on that list, then I would kind of be shocked. But I mean, this dude had like a fourteen touchdown season in like the forties. I don't even know how many games they were playing that season. It had to be like twelve. Yeah. 116 games, according to profootballreference.com, 116 games, 488 receptions, 7,991 yards, and 99 touchdowns. 99 touchdowns is impressive. Even in today's NFL, much less the 1940s. When they, this, this I mean, that's like, a touchdown. Know, you know, that's just under a touchdown a game. 116 games, 99 touchdowns. But that's an outlier. An outlier. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it's impossible for someone to not be a good football player outside of today's NFL. No. Don't put words in my mouth, John Horton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying the number of throws in this day and age is vastly greater than the number of throws in Bart Starr's days. Yeah, that, that's what makes it so much more impressive. Who was even playing quarterback for the Packers in the 40s and 50s? Doesn't matter because apparently they were throwing to Don Hudson's and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, what's your talk about hot take? Hot, t- hot take? I don't know. I thought I had that one. That sounds like a really good segment, man. We need to reach out to Taco Bell back. Hey, we need a Taco Bell Diablo take. <laughs> the official hot <laughs> yeah, the official <laughs> Taco Bell hot take. Of the Trail Trash Podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I've, you know what? I'm feeling good. I think I'll commit to this. Joey okay. Chestnut's 15 mustard belts are more impressive than Tom Brady's seven Super Bowl rings. There, I said it. But are, Okay. Are Joey Chestnut's 15 mustard belts more impressive than anybody's championships? And and are and are we comparing? 
And are we comparing team sports to individual sports? Because you've got someone in, and I'm going to say this, knowing so, so, what so we, this is, this is, this is a good question. And I'm going to, I will admit, I do not have enough data to answer this question. However, I am the kind of person that will research this topic endlessly until I do find that answer. But so at the skin, at, at the, at the surface level, is this more impressive than someone like, and I, and I understand that they're stripped and I understand that it doesn't matter, but this is just the first one that came to my mind. Lance Armstrong's Tour de France's. Or if you want someone who's maybe not as shrouded in controversy. Um, oh, gosh. And now his name escapes well, me. Really? Well, well I, I can spin it back to running. Is it more impressive than Elliot Kipchoge's marathon career? Yeah. Well. Which I would argue, too, is more impressive than Tom Brady's seven Super Bowl rings. But again, we're comparing team sports to individual individual things. So I guess that that's the root of the question: is is Joey Chestnuts is is the great Joey Chestnuts fifteen mustard belts? Are we comparing that to Michael Jordan's six and zero performance in the finals? I mean, fact, do you want to? The fact that he <laughs> never lost a series. Um, I mean, Joey Chestnut only lost the mustard belt once. And he still hasn't well, held. No, take that back. He would uh, he had a couple of other years there before he got his first mercy belt while he was competing against Kobayashi. But once he started that streak, he was only beaten once. I'm just saying, he's got a couple L's. No, I don't know. <laughs> we'll think on that, and we'll we'll revisit that at another day. We need, we need our week. listeners to chime in on this topic. It's crucial. you know what Spotify. I can add. A poll. So I will add that poll for you, John Horner. I will add, is Joey Chestnut's 15 mustard belts the greatest athletic <laughs> achievement? Yes or no? I don't know if it's the greatest athletic achievement ever, but I will say it is a, a very impressive title run. Okay. Is Joey Chestnut's 15 mustard belts the greatest, well, well, that's, the greatest that's just, championship <laughs> record of all sports. But let's just let's let's just keep it with the Tom Brady thing. Are Joey Chestnut's fifteen mustard belts <laughs> more or less impressive than Tom Brady's seven Super Bowl rings? There is your poll. I will add that to this. Perfect. I will add that when I post this episode. <laughs> Joey Chestnut versus Tom Brady. Who you taking? Yeah, it is. You think we could get Will to like uh, hit up Joey Chestnut for like one of those cameos like you did with Gary Robbins? I bet he could. I bet he would. Joey Chestnut do cameos? You think he'd do an interview with us? <laughs> <laughs> do you think Joey Chestnut would run an ultra? I mean, he eats enough too. He does. He he certainly does eat enough. You think too. the uh, pain? Okay, what which do you think is more painful? The pain of running a, the day after. Running 100 miles or the day after eating 76 hot dogs with buns. Got to be the hot dogs and buns. <laughs> Got to be the hot dogs and buns. I would like rather run today, 100 right? miles in, in, in five-finger shoes <laughs> than eat 75 hot dogs in a day. I mean, that can be arranged. 
No, it can't, because I'm not going to try to eat 75 hot dogs in a day. That's going to be a range two. No. Nope, nope, nope. Speaking of hot dogs, I actually have to go fire up the Blackstone now. So we're having smash burgers tonight. Oh, getting in that practice for uh, getting anyone. Yeah. Getting in that practice. So, on that note, I'm going to jump off here and I'll see you at the griddle. The Blackstone Griddle. Trail Trash Podcast, sponsored by Blackstone. Definitely not sponsored by Blackstone. Though that would be really cool to say. <laughs> if we have anyone with an in at Blackstone, you know, we're, the door is open for offers. So The door is open for offers. So Until next time, guys. This has been the Trail Trash Podcast with John and Garrett. Catch you next week. Later.